dig out what the intentional meaning of uh, the original authors are and go through the entire book. We are taking a break right now, and we're talking about family. We're talking about how God has called us into family and adopted us into his family um, through Christ. And so what we're really going to dive in today um, is a response. The last few weeks we've talked about what's it mean to be family, uh, to be family together in the body of Christ, the hands and the feet of, of God. Uh, t- and today we're really going to dive into what does that lead us to? What is our response to being uh, part of the body of God? And what has he called us to do? Um, it, it's been a, an incredible journey. I know some of you guys ha- know uh, here at church, you know, this past winter we had the emergency shelter. Um, and from that was born the Mark 12 Ministries, uh, which is called to care for the least of these in our community. So today we're going to dive into the passage that kind of inspired that ministry's beginnings, but it was really God placing in front of us a need in the community and our reaction as a body to that need. So before we dive into the passage today of Mark 12, let's pray again. Father, uh, we humbly come before you. We ask that our hearts and our minds be open to your words. Let us take heed to the importance that it is. Lord, we're also humbled that in your plan, uh, these things you could accomplish with a whim. But you've chosen to use your people as instruments, Lord, to send us out on mission, to deliver the gospel, to transform lives, Lord, to mission to those in our community. It is a great responsibility, but Lord, it is an incredible blessing and privilege that you've chosen your people for such a, a task. Lord, as, as you've said, iron sharpening iron, lit this word Sharpen us today uh, and prepare us to go out in ministry. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So if you will, open up with me to Mark 12, 30 and 31. Uh, If you do not have a Bible or your Bible is uh, not up to date, we have Bibles right there in front of you or in the seat next to you. You can grab that. uh, And that is our gift to you. Um, if you do not have a Bible. So reading from Mark 12, 30 and 31. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no more commandments greater than these. So this was Jesus' response to the scribes that were asking him what the greatest commandments were. And what we see is the first commandment covers our vertical relationship with God. 
And the second is our horizontal relationship with other people. And really, if you take a look at the Ten Commandments that were given to Moses in Exodus 20, you can almost boil those down to the first four commandments covers our relationship, our vertical relationship with God, and the six uh, final commandments uh, really talk about what our relationship with other people, to not murder, to not commit adultery, to not want uh, or to um, be jealous of what other people have. And what we also see that if you love God with all your strength and your soul and your heart and your mind, that you will desire to fulfill his commandments. You'll desire to do those things that will please him. And so the first being love your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength should practically be taken with joy. So we should look at this as an opportunity for us to, with everything we have, love him because he has first loved us. And it's with the same love that he's loved us that we should love him. And Jesus points that out to us very plainly. If you want to real quickly turn to John with me. And I want to dive into a little bit in first, I'm sorry, first John. It's first John four. And we're really going to look at what that love looks like with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So in 1 John 4, starting at 7, says, Behold, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So here in John, we see that God first loved us and sent his son. And that word propitiation, which is a, a big word, means to substitute. So God, Christ, took on the sins and the punishment that was reserved for us because God is a just God. And so by doing that, that is what allows us to stand in front of God and be reconciled to him. So he first loved us. And so by him first loving us, we should love him and obey that. And we should be 
very excited about being able to do that. And that, that's what calls us to response, is to love him. Which leads us to the next part of this command. Which is love your neighbor as yourself. The ability to keep the second of these commands is based completely on the first. So here in John, when he says to love is to know God, and if you do not love, you do not know God, that illustrates to us that if we are to know God, we love And we don't just love ourselves or love God. We love our neighbors. We love everyone. What we saw is when we had the shelter, we saw that the people that were coming to our shelter had a ton of different issues. Some were struggling with addiction. Some were struggling with just being out of place. But what we did when they came to the shelter is we treated everyone with respect and dignity and we loved on them. We showed them the same type of kindness that we would show someone from our church family. And they responded to that. Many said they had never experienced that kind of love. We had one uh, kid that was here, uh, Nick, and he was... uh, he was really hurting. And one night we were uh, just sitting around uh, this, the soup uh, at the end of the evening. And uh, he was talking about just his life growing up. Uh, his, his dad had been an addict his entire life. He started using drugs when he was 12. Uh, Nick was 23 at the time. And uh, one of the girls that uh, was here kind of took him under the wing, his, her wing. And um, at the end of the night, we would shake hands and embrace people as we were leaving for the evening and, you know, laying down for the night or or they were getting ready for the evening. And he had told us that he had never been hugged like the way that we were hugging him. An expression of love that this, this young man at 23 years old had never experienced from anyone in his life. Not a mother, not a father, not a, a, and he had brothers and sisters, but he had never experienced a loving embrace like he had experienced here at the shelter. And so because of our love for God commanding us to open this shelter up and, and to love those in our community, we were able to love those who came and were guests here because we relied on God's strength. And what we see in Matthew 20, verse 40, you don't have to turn there, but it's, it's the same, it's the parallel to Mark that we also see in Luke. But at the end of this, in Matthew it writes, On these two commandments depend the whole law of the prophets. All other commands of Scripture are only a specific expression of these two commandments. To love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Now, thinking of what loving our neighbor is, I can tell you what loving our neighbor isn't. 
as well. Loving our neighbor isn't just uh, coming through uh, a food pantry and just dumping some stuff off and driving away. And, and that's not that that's not necessary, but that's not necessarily loving our neighbor. Keeping to yourself in the neighborhood and not talking to those who live next to you, that's not being a neighbor. Passing those people on the highway that have the signs up and thinking, well, someone else is going to talk to them. That's not what God was talking about. But also, doing for them what they can do for themselves is not loving your neighbor. And that's a very hard line that we see and that we've talked a lot uh, in our ministry with Mark 12, is that what we want to do is build relationship with our neighbors and help them feel respect and dignity. We went through a book uh, in our missional community, which was When Helping Hurts. And it's a tremendous book. If you've not had a chance to read it, I'd recommend it. But what it talked about is some of the short-term missions that are done by churches all over this world that go year after year and paint the same room in a school or a church or, or go and and build a, a, a small hut and then leave, on the surface, that looks like a very successful mission. But if they've not helped the people and built a relationship and shown the loving nature of God to the people that they're interacting with, then they've not really accomplished the Great Commission. And so what we see is loving your neighbor and evangelism go hand in hand. Although they're different, they're tied together because our love to our neighbor is the greatest witness that we can give. We are here to express what God's love for us is. And so by expressing the love to our neighbor, we're reflecting God's love to them. They get to experience what that is right here on earth. So knowing those two great commands of loving God and loving our neighbor, how should we react to those? So how should that change the way we approach our lives? So I have three points, and if you've got a bulletin, these are the three points I want to talk about. The first is, who is your neighbor? The second is, what is as yourself? And the third is to love others more. So who is our neighbor? We live in a culture now uh, in the West and actually all over the world that is about a self-centered point of view. Uh, we think about ourselves. We have been taught that success is measured by your own accomplishments. We are taught that our worldview is specific to us and how we see things. We see a lot of that going on in, in this, the, the movement in, in our country right now is what is self. Well, who is your neighbor was addressed by, by Jesus quite plainly. 
in, in Luke 10, and we don't need to, know, to move there, but some have heard of the story of the Good Samaritan. And it was actually during this sermon and uh, what I, I have the pleasure of doing most times with, with our church is, is I partner with Nate and, and with Jeremy, and we pick the music and the liturgy, which is just a big word of the, how the, the worship gathering comes together and how the songs kind of meet the message. And it was while we were going through Luke 10 back in January 21st, which was the Sunday before we opened the shelter, that I started to go through these passages in Mark and in Matthew about loving God and loving our neighbor. And it was this story of the Good Samaritan. And so the story of the Good Samaritan is that there is a man who, a Jewish man, who is robbed and left for dead on the side of the road. And two religious type people go past him. And it wasn't until the Samaritan came along the road and saw this man that he received help. Now, to put in context, Samaritans were not viewed very highly by the Jewish people. Culturally, there was a lot of difference. And we see that today. In, in America, we see it overseas. We saw it in, in uh, Scotland as they talked about the schemers and the posh. And we see that economic, social economic thing play out here. We see it in race. We see it in how we look at those who immigrate to the United States. But what happened was the Samaritan saw this Jewish man in need. And he took him to the inn and told the innkeeper to bandage him up, paid for him to be taken care of, and then said if there was anything else that he would come back and take care of that bill as well. And so as Jesus was explaining to this, this uh, man who had asked him, who is our neighbor, Jesus was clearly pointing out that our neighbor is not just the person that is sitting next to you at church. Your neighbor is not just the person who lives next door to you in your subdivision, or maybe somebody you went to school with, or somebody uh, that you know through friends. That your neighbor literally is everyone. God's creation. What Jesus was pointing out here is, is that exactly, that God created man, all men and women, in his image. And so they all intrinsically have value. And that's what we forget sometimes, is the value of human life. That our brothers and sisters, not only in Christ, but those all who were made in God's image, are our neighbors. And unfortunately, as I said earlier, currently we have a divide in America. And I'm not going to get on some rant about politics or whatever that kind of stuff is. But what I want us to to understand is I have a, a, a very good friend of mine who is an African-American. He's a brother in Christ, uh, is a preacher in the West End. And he and I have conversations 
weekly about what's going on. And the unfortunate thing is, is that as the enemy continues to, to divide our culture and divide the United States and divide our world, we as Christians need to pull it back together. We need to be the cords that bring that unity back together. We need to be the ones who illustrate God's witness by loving our brothers. And that's not just through a racial standpoint, even though that's very important, but that's also through culturally. And it's also through social economic. We see now here in Shepherdsville, and and I talk to the churches that I'm presenting this ministry to, You'll have a trailer park right next to a subdivision with a hundred to two hundred thousand dollar houses. That leads to divide. And how do we reconcile that? And that's by loving all people as our our neighbors. So the next question is, what is as yourself? So what does that mean? It's the golden rule. Right? Do on to others as you would have them do to you. Unfortunately, popular psychology um, has been this kind of self-esteem advocate that has gotten to people to be so inward reflective and self-centered that they don't notice what's going on around them. So what this has created is this pride and selfishness. And then some would say, well, if I don't love myself, how can I love someone else? But what is really interesting, and Paul understood this the best, and I I want you guys to turn with me, if you could, to to Romans 12. We're going to look at Romans 12, 9 and 13. What's so interesting, incredible about Paul is Paul many times throughout his writings and in Romans and and in the letters talks about him being a wretched man or him being the leader of all sinners. He understood his wretchedness. He understood his sinfulness towards God. It wasn't a self-loathing, but he understood his place in, in front of the throne. But it was through humility and understanding that humility that he was able to show love like no one else in the Bible is illustrated other than Jesus. And so if you'll read with me real quick, Romans uh, 12, and we're going to read 9 through 13. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in the spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. So what Paul is showing us here, and I love when he says, outdo one another in showing honor. So not only 
do unto others as we would have them do unto us, because that is almost a tagline, do unto us how we want them to treat us, that self-centeredness again, how they took the Bible verse and they turned it into a secular idea. But it should be love one another as we love ourselves. Right? We should outdo as we would, as we've experienced God outdo his love for us. There's not many people that would hail to John 15, 13, because Christ said in that, no other love is greater than that who would lay down his life for his brother. Jesus laid his life down for our sins. He outdid us in love. And Paul is calling us to do the same. So as ourselves should not be around a self-centered reflection, it should be we want to outdo that love. Which brings us to my third point, which is love others more. It is tragic that so many Christians try to love their neighbors only out a sense of duty and obligation. It should be done in a way of joy and worship. God is pleased when we love his creation, when we love our neighbors. It is one, a reflection of his love for us And to some, and I will tell you, in the shelter and in the community meals that we've started, to some, it is the only reflection of love that they experience. We have uh, a a lady who's been coming. Uh, We met her at the Bullet Blast. Uh, She's been to both community meals now. And... uh, and she goes to all the community meals. She goes to, to Journey uh, on Tuesday nights. She goes to Monday night at Marty's Kitchen. Um, but what she said to me the other night after the meal really stuck to me. Is she said, I go to a lot of places, but I really feel at home here. And at the Bullet Blast, Robin was talking to her and actually gave her one of the, our shirts that say family. And every time we've seen her, she's had that shirt on. But what's amazing is even though she's gone to other churches, even though she's gone to different community events and meals, she's come here and says, I feel like family. Because we have reflected a love to her that has not, she's not experienced. We've given her respect and dignity. We've made her feel at home. And that's how we love others more. Not out of an obligation. Not out of uh, we're trying to check the box and, and do what God has told us to do. But it's because we realize that God loved us so much to give his son. How can we not love his creation? How can we not love those that we come in contact? And let me tell you, it's not easy. It's not It is difficult. It's very, very difficult. But we should have, we should feel 
a blessing in our sacrifice. We should be blessed to love that way. Paul explains to us in Philippians, and you guys don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read real quick. Philippians 2, 1 through 5. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind and having the same love and being full, accord, and of one mind. Do nothing from selfless ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And so what's so awesome about this is, guess what? We can't do this on our own. We cannot do this on our own will, our own power, or our own strength. It's only through God that we can love this way. It's only through His love for us, us being filled with the Spirit, that we can reflect His love outwardly to other people. We have to rely on Him fully to love others more. And that's what Paul's talking here, is that we should have, be of the same mind as Jesus, to love in the same way as He did. So it's only through Him that we can do this. It is only through His power and through the Spirit that we are able to love our neighbors. See, Jesus' example set a much higher standard for us as Christians. The general command is for everyone to love their neighbors as themselves, but there is a different command. Those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ alone for salvation, we've entered into this personal relationship with God. So Jesus' new commandment is true to Christians that we see in John 13, 34. To love one another as I have loved you, that you love one another. This is a standard that is no longer centered around our selfish interests and taking care of just ourselves, but is completely selfless and a sacrificial love. So to think about how that impacts our lives daily, a sacrificial love that we would sacrifice. Not, hey, I'm busy. Hey, I've got too much going on. But to be able to commit to love our neighbors in that way. So if you'll pray with me. Father, again, we are humbled by the opportunity to be the hands and the feet of your work. Lord, let us be challenged by your words. Also, let us be challenged, Lord, by how you loved us. Knowing that you did not have to wrap yourself in flesh to come to earth to experience the things that we experience, the temptation, 
the world filled with sin, the hunger, the thirst. But you did that because you loved us so much. You loved the Father and you loved us. Lord, let us be obedient and blessed in that way. Let us love those around us the way that you loved us. Not only our brothers and sisters in Christ, but those that we come across in the grocery store, those that we come across at a homeless shelter, on the side of the road, at our office, where we work. Challenge us, Lord. Open those opportunities that we can show love, and then we can share the gospel with them and share the truth of your your sacrifice and our salvation. Lord, lead us in these things. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Every week.